0: Hello, and welcome to our weekly message. In today's message, Pastor Myron concludes our sermon series from the book of Habakkuk, titled Trusting God in Troubled Times. This week's message is titled I Will Rejoice, from Habakkuk chapter 3.
1: All right, I invite you to take your Bibles this morning and we're finishing up our teaching series, brief three Sunday series from the book of Habakkuk. And we're in chapter 3, the third and final, final chapter of This Old Testament minor prophet and his book, Habakkuk chapter 3. Now, I know in Harvest we have some hikers and some serious hikers. I'm just curious. Has anybody hiked the West Coast Trail? (laughs) Nathan has. That's a serious hike. I have not. I just know people who have, like Nathan. 75 kilometers of hiking through very challenging terrain. In the Pacific Rim National Park on Vancouver Island, it takes about a week. But how about this hike? The Appalachian Trail goes from the state of Maine, just below the Canadian border, all the way to the state of Georgia in the south. And it is 3,500 kilometers long. Now that's a serious hike. Back in 1990, a guy by the name of Bill Irwin he took on and completed the entire 3,500 kilometers of the Appalachian Trail. Now, it's an amazing accomplishment, but he by no means was, is the only person to have accomplished that feat. Since 1936, more than 20,000 adventurers have braved the elements and sleeping on the ground and forded streams and all the rest of it to hike from the state of Maine to Georgia in the southern United States. But here's the thing about Bill. Back in 1990... He became the first ever blind person to hike the Appalachian Trail. And there's Bill with his trusted friend, German Shepherd Orient. Back in 1990, at the ripe old age of 50, Bill, a recovering alcoholic, and having found life transformation and freedom through faith in the Lord Jesus, set out with his canine friend Orient to hike the Appalachian Trail. And that they did. His motto for the journey, which he repeated throughout, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. That was his motto. Took him eight months. And along the way, he estimates that he fell 5,000 times. On average, that's 20 tumbles a day. He experienced hypothermia. He broke a couple of ribs. He got more scrapes and bruises on his hands and knees than he could ever begin to remember. But with his friend Orient, they started the journey together, and eight months later, they completed it. And he made that 3,500-kilometer hike by faith and not by sight. Max Lucado recounts the story. And he notes that every one of us in life, we are also on a journey, on a long journey. Steep and winding journey. And as followers of Jesus, that journey is our faith journey in the Lord Jesus Christ. And along the way, inevitably, we encounter some challenging terrain. And we may even get roughed up a little bit. But the question is this. How on a journey through life, through the journey with Jesus that's by faith and not by sight, How do we experience and live in a growing and confident trust in God, even in troubled times? Because along the way, inevitably, we bump into challenges as we take on this hike, this journey that is life. That brings us to the third chapter of the book of Habakkuk, because that's exactly where the prophet found himself. As we come to this chapter in Scripture, externally, not much had changed for the prophet, His people, God's people, the citizens of Judah, they were still far from God. God's necessary and strong discipline against his people, the citizens of Judah, it was imminent. God's judgment against the Babylonians was still far into the future. So externally, as we come to this third chapter, nothing really had changed for the prophet. In fact, arguably, things had gotten worse. But... Internally, inside the prophet, something had changed in a profound way. His faith had been renewed and emboldened so that the prophet Habakkuk, in the midst of his challenging circumstances, found strength to trust God with all his heart, even in his troubled times. For each of us, friends, in our life journey, how do we grow in faith, in our life journey, how do we live with greater confidence, with more boldness? How do we grow in terms of trusting God in our troubled times? That's the question we want to engage together this morning from this third chapter of the minor prophet. Three things to that end. First of all, I want us to see this, friends, that we might grow in terms of trusting God in the troubled times that we experience in our journey, this is where it begins in that regard to experience that growth in our faith in God. And it's this. Faith submits. The prophet of God found himself in a place where volitionally he submitted to God. He surrendered. He yielded himself to God even in the midst of his confusion. Look at verses 1 and 2. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigi Onoth. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. In that first verse, we've got a weird word. It's the word Shigi Onoth or something like that. In the days of ancient Israel, this third chapter of Habakkuk was meant to be sung in corporate worship. So likely that's a word that points to the instruments, a stringed instrument that would accompany the singing of this particular chapter in Scripture. But what I want us to see in the verses is how the prophet arrived at a place in his life in the midst of his confusion. Not everything was answered for him. Not everything was clear. He nevertheless arrived at a place in his life where he yielded himself to the Lord God. How would we infer that? Notice what he says. Lord, Lord. I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. The word for Lord there is the Hebrew word for God, Yahweh. And Yahweh speaks what of the Lord our God? Of the fact that he is great... And he is good, and he is faithful. And everything that Yahweh says he will do, he absolutely, ultimately will perform, for Yahweh keeps his word. So the prophet said, Yahweh, Lord God, the God of our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I acknowledge your greatness. Your awesomeness, and I confess that I am in awe of you, Lord God, who you are and what you have done. It was an expression of the posture of his heart in that moment of surrender to God. Remember back in chapter 1, the prophet of hard questions for God, tough questions for God. Look what is going on, Father God, in the lives of your citizens, your people, the people of Judah. They're so far from you. Why are you not doing something? And then in chapter 2, we noted that Habakkuk registered, noted his complaint with God. Having asked the tough questions having voiced his complaint, having expressed his confusion, now the prophet arrived at the place where he said, God, I'm going to submit to you. I don't have it all figured out. Not all of my questions are answered. But I know this: You're Yahweh. You're faithful. You're unchanging. You're totally good for your word. So I choose to submit to you. And then he added this statement. In wrath, remember mercy. What was he talking about there, referring to? Habakkuk arrived at a place in his life where he understood the plan of God, though he had questions around it. He knew that God was going to bring strong discipline against his people, the citizens of Judah. And he knew that the nation of Babylon would be God's instrument to bring about that strong and necessary discipline. And so he arrived at a place, now the prophet, where he said, God, I I get that this is going to happen. I don't have all of my confusion settled in my mind. But I choose to surrender to you and your holy wisdom and your perfect plan. And when you bring your discipline against your people, please remember to have mercy to them. In other words, the prophet had surrendered himself and his people to the plans and purposes of God. Though those plans for Habakkuk and the citizens of Judah were going to be difficult indeed. Again, it was an expression of surrender, of yieldedness on the part of the prophet to the Lord God, to Yahweh, and to his plans and purposes for his people. This was a prayer of submission. Now in time, Judah would be invaded. In fact, that was imminent by the Babylonians. And many, many Jewish people would be carried off into captivity. But God would remember mercy for his people for 70 years after their captivity started. God would move so that his people could return to their homeland and even rebuild their temple. But in all of this, see the prophet's heart of submission to God. I read something uh, this week that made me smile. A dad was recalling his encounter with his young son. And the little dude was standing in a mud puddle. That sounds like standard operating procedure. And Dad said, please don't don't stand in the mud puddle. So what did the little guy do? He began to run around in the mud puddle. He's not standing. That's good. Dad said, okay, don't stand in the mud puddle. Don't run around in the mud puddle. So the little guy walks in the mud puddle. Not standing, not running, now he's walking. Uh, We had a couple kids like this who were always looking for the legal loophole. Finally, the little guy, very defiantly, looks at his dad and edges right up to the puddle with his toes just sort of hanging over, and he looks back at his father. And I smile at that again, and I think maybe many of us identify with it because you know, we've seen that, we've experienced that with our own kids. Uh, you know what else? I've been like that kid, and maybe you have too. Uh, a little bit defiant in the face of the Father and His direction and what He's trying to speak into my life, into our lives. Actually, if you don't mind, Father God, I'd like to control my own outcomes. Friends, we've noted as we've studied our way through this series, it's fine to ask God our hard questions. He's totally okay with that. There's a breadth in God's mercy and love for us to ask our hard questions of Him, for us to express our emotions, even our anger when we're confused and hurt. It's okay, as the prophet did, to register our complaint with God. But at some point that we might experience our faith growing and gaining in confidence, a trust in God, even in troubled times, it's so necessary that we arrive at a place like the prophet did where we say, Father God, I've sort of vented you. And I don't have all of my questions answered or everything sorted out in my own mind, but you are the Lord, you're Yahweh, you're faithful and you're good and you're great. And so I choose in this moment to submit, to surrender, to yield my all to you. Preacher from another era, Andrew Murray once said God's ready to accept full responsibility for the life holy. Yielded to him. That we might experience a growing trust in God. Even in troubled and challenging times. Well as Habakkuk models for us. That begins with this. A faith that submits to God. Yields to the Lord. And his wise purposes. Even when we don't understand them all. Here's the second thing. That we might experience a growing trust in God in troubled times. Faith sees Faith sees the Lord. We're going to see this now in verses 3 to 15 where the prophet steps back and in verses that are classic Hebrew poetry, he reflects on the past and ways in which God demonstrated to his people that he was the Lord over the nations and over nature. Let's just pick some of the highlights here to get a sense of what the prophet is doing as he chooses to see God by faith and the ways in which God had acted in the past. Verse 3, God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. Those two mountain ranges are in southern Israel, in the southern Sinai. They border the nation of Egypt. So what the prophet was doing here is he's looking back to the days of the Exodus. And when God, under Moses' leadership, brought the children of Israel out of the land of slavery and into freedom, they ultimately arrived at Mount Sinai. And what happened there? God came down upon the mountain with thunder and lightning, and it all shook. And God met his people, and he gave to Moses... His righteous laws for the nation of Israel. Those laws are sort of in their condensed version, boiled down to the Ten Commandments. So he reflected on a time in which God powerfully, powerfully met his people. Now in the original, after the first part of verse 3, there's a Selah. Which just means, pause, ponder that, reflect on that. Reflect on the amazing greatness and goodness of God in our past. In how he met his people and his servant Moses at Mount Sinai. Let's skip on. Look down to verse 5. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. In Israel's past, God had sent those plagues to get King Pharaoh's attention. So that ultimately Pharaoh would let God's people go. The prophet very intentionally recounted that work of God. In the nation's history, verse 6, he stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. I think that the prophet there was looking back again to that time in which the people of God were encamped around Mount Sinai. And God came down in power and the mountain shook. Now I read these verses. And we're reminded of the greatness of God. The prophet says, what? All he had to do was look. And the nations trembled. Now, I don't know about you, but I had a teacher like that in grade 6. All Mr. Ackerman had to do was look. I mean, raise the eyebrows, not even raise his voice. And you knew that it was on. The prophet says, this is the character of our God. And he demonstrated that in our past. Skip ahead. To verse 11, sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. What's that talking about? Remember that time in history when Joshua and the armies of Israel were pressing the battle and all they needed was a little extra daylight? God made the sun stand still. Over and over and over in these verses, poetically, the prophet is reflecting on the mighty acts of God, the greatness of God, the glory of God as made real and manifest in the lives of his people in days gone by. Verse 13. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. In those verses, the prophet was looking back to the hallmark miracle of the Old Testament. The hallmark miracle in the Old Testament is what? The parting of the Red Sea. And God delivering his people, even as the armies of King Pharaoh chased down after them. The hallmark miracle in the New Testament is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But here, here the prophet goes back to that day when it looked like it was game over. The people were up against the Red Sea, but God parted the sea so that his people would be saved and delivered. Over and over in these verses. The prophet chooses to see God in faith and all the ways in which God acted in might to deliver and save his people in the past over and over and over. Friends, remembering how God has acted in our past, that's hugely important, isn't it? Do you know why? Because we forget things. I'm walking out of the house and, I mean, you cannot leave your house without your device, right? I mean, life would come to a screeching halt without it. I can't find it. I'm looking everywhere. I'm trying to find my device. And my emotions are getting a little ramped up. It happens to me sometimes. And I'm asking my wife, where's my phone? I can't find it. It went all the places it should be. And I realized I had it right here in my shirt pocket. Okay? We can forget things. The average person has six moments like that a week. About 350 a year. 56 percent of people would describe themselves as forgetful. What are the top five things we forget? Number one, passwords. Oh, passwords. (laughs) That is an ugly one. Uh, Two, what exactly you went to the grocery store for? Three, where did I put my keys? Four, why did I go into this room? And five, forgetting someone's name shortly after they have been introduced to you done them all you know there's a sixth thing that we can forget and it's how god in his gracious faithfulness has acted in our past to pour his mercy over us just this morning i was praying for our kids And our middle son and his wife, today's the last day of their ministry in Winnipeg, and they're moving to Calgary. And God willing, next year they'll go join our team in North Africa. But I I was praying, let God be with Jordy and Lisa and Liam and Benny as they start their journey to Calgary tomorrow. And then it's like a God thought popped into my brain. Are you kidding me? I mean, like a month ago, what were we praying about? We were praying that God would help with the sale of their home in Winnipeg. And what did God do? Their home sold in a very timely manner, and it sold for more than they were asking for. And it was just such a reminder to me. I mean, has God acted in our past? Absolutely he has. It reoriented my prayer in that moment. Wow, God, you've been faithful in the past. You know what? I know that based upon who you've been to them, to us in the past, when they start driving out tomorrow, you're going to be with them. Thank you, For being with them, having your hand over the four of them as they come our way. Friends, it's so crucial, especially when we bump up against something in our life journey, that we take a step back and remember. Choose in faith to see God. See all the ways that Yahweh, the Lord our God, has made himself real in our lives. In days gone by over and over and over. In his unchanging faithfulness and in the glory of his goodness. Remembering those spiritual moments in our past, it anchors us to our past. It grounds us in our present, and it gives us hope for our future. Why? Because our King, our Lord Jesus, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's going to be the same to us. And we rest in that. So as we take on this journey in life, inevitably, as the prophet experienced, we will bump into some troubled times. How do we grow in trust and experience more of Jesus? In those moments, faith submits. We choose to yield to God even when it's not completely clear in our brains. And we don't have everything figured out, but we know that he's great and he's good. And we choose to see God in his faithfulness in our past. And that informs how we know he will be to us and work in our lives going forward. There's one more thing I want us to see, and it's this. It's faith soars. Faith soars. The prophet's faith soars in verses 16 and 19. This is one of the most dramatic statements of faith in Scripture, for sure in the Old Testament. Look at verse 16. The prophet writes, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound, decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. In that verse, what was Habakkuk envisioning? He was envisioning the Babylonian army coming over the horizon. In that incredibly fearful moment for him and his people. Verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes in the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls. Stop there for just a moment. In that 17th verse, the prophet described the total collapse of the agrarian economy that was that of ancient Israel's. As a consequence of this invasion of the Babylonians that was imminent. If we want to contextualize it, we would say something like this. Though the stock market crashes. Though my properties lose 75% of their value. Though gas goes to $4 a liter. Though there's a shortage of food. I will yet what? Having described all of that, look at the prophet's statement in verse 18. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. That is a profound statement of faith. That is a faith in God that is soaring. Going to a new level. Look at a couple of words there. The word rejoice means to jump for joy. The word joyful would picture something like a child in delight just, just twirling before their parents and before others, kind of dancing. The prophet says, this is on the way, God. I understand your word. Discipline is coming to the people of Judah. And there's fearful aspects of that for me. There's no question about it and for your people. But nevertheless, I will rejoice in you. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Again, it's an incredible statement of faith. And on what basis could the prophet make such a statement? Look at verse 19. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights for the director of music on my stringed instruments. On what basis could the prophet of God make this incredible statement of faith in God in the face of so much uncertainty He could make that because the sovereign Lord God Almighty was his strength. Now, we live in a world that uh, will often tell us that when you bump up against things, when you experience challenges, I mean, you need to harness some positive thinking. You need to harness some positive thinking. I want to suggest to you that coming up against those moments isn't so much about having positive thinking as it is about having proper thinking. And if you're in Christ Jesus by faith, here's the proper thinking as we journey through life, as we take on that hike, and in time encounter some challenging terrain. We rejoice, we step out in faith, in a faith that's bold and confident, because the sovereign Lord is our strength. The strength of the Lord is a personal faith. The prophet says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. But it didn't end with Habakkuk. Take the word my out of there and put your name in place. The sovereign Lord is my strength in the face of life's challenges, in the face of life's difficulties, things that are so difficult for me, things that on balance don't make sense in the midst of it. I can trust God. With a growing faith in troubled times, because the sovereign Lord is my strength. It's personal to me. And it's powerful strength. I mean, we're talking Almighty God. The God who is the Lord whom the prophet had described in verses 3 to 15, who parted the Red Sea, who came down on Mount Sinai, who met his people, who delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. That's the sovereign Lord. He was the very personal strength of the prophet. And he is our strength as well. Now, think of it this way. If you're in Christ Jesus by faith, the life of the risen Lord Jesus Christ has been poured into your life. The power of God has been poured into you. That's fact. You know, if the life of Rory McIlroy could be poured into me, oh my goodness, my next golf game would be awesome. Awesome. The living Lord Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit has been poured into you and into me. And as we choose in faith to submit to King Jesus, bring your Lordship to bear in my life. I surrender to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Accept the same by faith. The very dynamic energy supernatural energy of almighty God is percolating within us. And on that basis, not on the basis of who the prophet was or who I am or who we are, but by the strength of the sovereign Lord, he could have a bold trust in God even in those troubled times in his faith soared. I read a book a while ago, an uh, interesting book. Um, followed the story of a group of Navy SEALs. And I read their model, and it kind of grabbed me. I think it's pretty cool. Let me read it for you. This is the Navy SEAL's model. I will never quit. I persevere and thrive on adversity. My nation expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than my enemies. If knocked down, I will get back up every time. I will draw on every remaining ounce of my strength to protect my teammates and to accomplish our mission. I am never out of the fight. By the grace of God and the power of the sovereign Lord upon us and in us, friends, we are never out of the fight. Amen. May God grant us grace. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for inspired scripture. I mean, Habakkuk was a real guy, he served you at a very real time in history. The things of which he wrote reflect your Holy Spirit's inspiration for eternal scripture. And here in these weeks, we've been studying this book. Now, Father God, grant that by your grace upon each of our lives, wherever we might be in our hike right now, we might be in a place in our journey where life is filled with joy and things are good. We thank you for it. Someone else might be in a place where the journey is hard right now. Jesus, surround them, please, with your hope, love, and encouragement and grant us a growing faith in you, a faith that yields to you, Jesus, and your Lordship, a faith that sees the goodness of our God and all the ways he's acted in our past, that gives us hope in our present and going forward, and grant that our bold faith in you would soar, such that you would be glorified, and the people around us in looking at our lives would know that the Lord, he is God. Grant it, we
0: pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for a weekly message. Life is full of its ups and downs. The journey of life is not smooth, but has valleys and mountaintop experiences. No matter what happens, our God is in control, and he does not change. There is great comfort in that. If you are a follower of Jesus by faith, the life and strength of the risen Christ has been poured into you. As we daily choose to yield to Jesus and ask in faith for his spirit to fill us, we experience his supernatural energy pulsing through us. And we experience dynamic, supernatural strength to walk in victory, even in the middle of it all. Thank you, King Jesus, for being there, for being our rock and our fortress. If you're experiencing challenging or difficult times and you'd like some prayer, please email us at help at hhachurch.com. That's help, H-E-L-P, at H for Harvest, H for Hills, A for Lions, Church, C-H-U-R-C-H.com. And we'd love to talk with you, pray with you, and help you find the support and resources you need. Now these words from Romans 15:13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with the confident hope to the power of the Holy Spirit. May God bless you as you go into the remainder of your day to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus.